If you missed the start of the message, the service, shall I say, just to recap for a moment that during the month of May, churches across Tawny are joining together in a special expression of unity. It's called the One Tawny, One Life Series. And so we decided that we're all going to preach on the same theme, One Life, during the month of May. And each week there is a specific message, a specific topic that we will preach on. And isn't that wonderful that here many churches across the city of Pretoria are focusing on the same thing for the month. And it's basically at a church near you. I celebrate what God has done in the city. So four topics over the four months, over the four weeks of May. The first one, week one, is today, loved by God. Week two, invited to life. Week three, found in the truth. And week four, equipped to go. So today's message is loved by God. Please say that with me, loved by God. And you can look at John 3.16 in your own Bible. We'll get to that in a moment's time. But in terms of this message, loved by God, the message is all about reminding ourselves, listen to this, that God loves people. He does. God loves people. And sometimes we can be so busy with all the scriptures that we like and so busy with our church environment that, that we forget that besides for those who are in the household of God, there's so many outside and, and God loves them all. God loves people right across the face of the earth. He loves us and he has a heart for every person on the planet. He doesn't want anybody to die, to perish, but he wants everyone to come to him and find repentance and receive eternal life. Think of an example. A bunch of years ago, I interviewed Bruce Mosciano on radio a few times, and he was the main actor in Matthew, the visual Bible. He played the role of Jesus. And so can you imagine if you play the role of Jesus in a recording, in a uh, documentary that gets put together, I'm sure as you play the role, the Word of God sinks deeper because now you're acting it out. And he said, when it came to the scene of Jesus getting on his knees before this leper and touching this leper, he said he was struck almost like no other scene. Because the makeup was done very well, the leper looked very bad, it didn't stink like, like a normal leper, I guess, would because of rotting flesh, etc., but he was amazed that Jesus would get down and he would break all protocol and he would touch the leper. It struck him. And he thought, well, why would God do that? And he realized it's because Jesus saw his image in that man. Even as dirty and messed up and as in a mess and sickness and all of that that was in that guy's life, Jesus saw the image of God because we as human beings are made in God's image. And Bruce Marciano said he also realized that Jesus loves people. He really loves people. I want to ask you today, do you love people? Think about that for a moment. Uh, do you love people? Yeah, yeah, you love your family. You love those who love you, but... Generally speaking, in your heart, 
Do you carry something of that DNA of God where you say, I actually love people. doesn't matter who they come from, where they come from, what environment. I love people. It's so important. Here's a challenging thought. Oftentimes, we might not be too concerned about our neighbor, but Jesus loves them dearly. Jesus loves your neighbor dearly. He loves people. God loves you. He loves your colleagues. God loves the car God that maybe many of us just don't have time for. God loves the cashier as you're going through the grocery store and checking out your goods. God loves that person, even although they're just a machine person in your life and they're just like, hello, do, 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 do. God actually loves that person. He loves the cashier. He loves your neighbor. He loves those around about you. He loves your family members that aren't yet saved. Uh, here's another little one. God loves the honorable members of parliament. <laughs> I'm not recognizing you. Sit down, honorable member. I'm not recognizing you. All right, the ice is officially broken in church today. He loves everybody. He loves all of us. He loves everybody in this country. And the scripture says in John 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved. Would you say the word so loved? So loved. Say it again. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can you see God's heart? He's not coming to condemn, he's coming to save. Some people have this wrong image of God, thinking God is here to condemn, spoil everybody's fun. No, God is here to change the things that you get excited about. He's here to bring you salvation. He's here to bring you new life. He's here to reveal to you how great his love is for you. And in the amplified version, it's on your screen. It says in verse 16, For God so loved, so greatly loved, and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son, so that whoever believes in, and then I like this part, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. Now, we're going to highlight just a couple of words from our text today, John 3, verse 16, and here we go. So I'm going to go through them quite quickly. Number one, the greatest word, God. The greatest word, God. Could it be that God is the greatest word? What does the word God suggest to you? Well, firstly, it suggests to me great greatness. The greatest man who has ever lived, God, Jesus, representing the full head of the, the, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And God is the great I am. There's nobody bigger, higher, greater than him. The greatest word is God. And God speaks to me of greatness, the greatest person of all time, 
God speaks to me of power. He is the God of all creation. He set the worlds in motion. He set the universe in motion. And the word God also speaks to me of love because God is love. Number one, the greatest word, God. Number two, the sweetest word, loved. Would you say the word loved? In the Bible, there are four words used to refer to love. The one is agape, the other one is phileo, the one is storge, and the one is eros. And in verse 16, John 3 verse 16, when it uses the word love, it is using the word agape or agape. And that speaks of unconditional love, self-sacrificing love. And when it says that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, it's talking about a self-sacrificing love, an unconditional love that no matter the sin and depravity that we were in, God said, I'm going to show love, which is so incredible. It's so self-sacrificing. And it says in Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his love. You say, God has never, I've never been aware of God's love. It says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does God love you? You better believe it. God, does God love you? Well, no greater love can a man have than this thing to lay his life down for his friend. Jesus laid his life down for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You've got to know it. He loves you. Please tell the person next to you, God loves you. What a wonderful God. Number three, the broadest word, world. You might say, well, I know a word called universe, and that sounds broader than world. But I'm talking about the place that you and I can freely travel and roam. And in that sense, the broadest word from our reference is the word world. And in terms of this word world, it is used to describe every person that has ever lived on planet Earth or ever will. That's a lot of people through all of these ages. Do you know that God has loved them all from thousands of years ago? God has loved them all. And still those that will still be born. God loves them all. It's this broad word. And it includes the Jewish people, the Gentiles, the Alaskans, the Chinese, the Yugoslavians. It includes you and me. It includes the nicest people. It includes the most immoral people. It includes everyone. And when the Bible says that God so loved the world, it's not talking about the cosmos system in terms of the, you know, the planets and the, you know, the world and the seasons and the sea. It's talking about people. It's just a way of speaking. For God so loved the world, all the people on the world. I heard about a youth pastor who was giving a teaching. And he gave out a couple of, couple of mirrors in his teaching. And he said, on the back of the mirror, he wrote, if you want to see who God loves, look on the other side. And so all the young people, they look around and they see a picture of themselves. And as young people do, probably <laughs> giggle and check if there's any pimples and so on. He says, forget about that. Just focus on the fact that God loves you. That is the truth. Number four, the kindest word gave, giving. Love and kindness always find expression in giving. 
Let's take a young guy and a young girl, 20 years of age. They fall madly in love with each other. And I promise you, it's not going to take long before there's going to be some gifts being exchanged. Next thing is a little chocolate. Next thing is a little note. Next thing is a little rose. And Knees are going all funny. And because there's love, it expresses itself in giving. And the same thing with our Lord Jesus and with God the Father, because Father God gave his very best. He was motivated by love because he is love. He gave his very best, his only son. Number five, the most comprehensive word, whosoever. Please say that word with me, whosoever. It's a little bit of an old-fashioned word, but brings it across very well. Heard a story about a man who was on his deathbed. He knew he didn't have long to live, and he asked a family member, he said, listen, get John 3.16 and read it to me. So they read it, and he said, is the word whosoever? He said, pass me the Bible. I just want to have a look at that for myself for a moment. And he looked, and he read there, and it said, whosoever. And he thought to himself, that's me. I am included in the whosoever. And shortly thereafter, he passed away peacefully, knowing that he was included in the whosoever. And in Acts 2 verse 21, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Number six, the most decisive word, not. Not. In terms of this word, you see, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we need not die. And folks, we must remember this is good news. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. But the good news is it goes on and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is good news. And so I want to say the good news to you today is that you don't have to die because of Jesus and what he has done. So that when you one day breathe your last breath, you don't die because you stay alive in terms of your spirit and your soul. And in that moment of being absent from the body which dies, you've got to be present with the Lord. This is the incredible thing. We need not die. Number seven. The most tragic word, perish. Would you say the word perish? I remember hearing an interview Larry King Live was uh, one of the well-known interviewers on, I believe it was CNN for many years. And I liked Larry King because he had the ability to ask questions really straight. I remember him asking Billy Graham, what makes a good preacher? What makes a good church? You know, how can we change America? Very quick and blunt questions. And one of the questions that Larry King asked Billy Graham, he says, what happens to people who don't choose the Christian faith? Ask that on national television. What happens to the people who don't choose the Christian faith? And Billy Graham in the wisdom of God said that they will experience eternal separation from God. Very wisely put. You see, we live in a world of permissiveness and humanism. And it's become extremely unpopular to ever talk about hell. But I want to tell you that Jesus spoke about hell a great deal, and that should tell us something. 
And Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Would you say the word hell? Jesus spoke about hell. I want to tell you, there's a hell to shun and there's a heaven to gain. And you can only gain heaven through the person of Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I get a loud amen? It's clear in the word of God. Number eight, the most certain word, have. Now, in terms of this, the most certain word, have, this speaks of salvation, and it speaks of assurance of salvation. I believe Christians should not be in doubt about their salvation. You and I should be sure, and we know that we have salvation. And the scripture says in 1 John 5 verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Please say the word know. Doesn't that sound of certainty? That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So next time the enemy comes and lies to you and says, well, you had a bad attitude the other day. You don't have eternal life. You're going to hell You lift up the shield of faith and you extinguish those fiery darts of the enemy. And you say, no, no, no. My Bible says that I can know that I have eternal life. And it is in the Son, Christ Jesus. Put away that doubt. One famous preacher once said that the word have should actually be spelt got it in this verse. Because we have eternal life. In other words, we have got it. And the final one that I want to touch on, number nine, here it is. The most thrilling word is life. Would you please say the word life? Life. Would you say it again with a bit more enthusiasm? Life. Wow. Still today, 2017, this is what God offers. Life. It's the most thrilling thing. And in terms of life, I believe that this refers to quality of life and quantity of life in terms of eternal life. And God makes it clear, Jesus says in John 10.10, he says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. What does abundant life mean? It means the following, life inclusive of all good. Abundant life means life and something more, something better. Abundant life means life more abundant than we could have expected. It means life worth advantage. And so I want to, as I draw to a close, I want to say this to you now. There is a book in heaven. It is called the Lamb's Book of Life. I ask you today, young person, older person, sir, ma'am, I ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And I want to say, if you have received Jesus, then be assured your name is in that book. Wow. For God so loved the world, so loved you and me, that he sent Jesus, that we may have life. Let's just close our eyes. Lord, I pray for anybody here that hasn't received Jesus. And if you haven't received Jesus, would you pray this prayer just in your heart quietly after me. Lord Jesus, I need you 
Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I open my heart and I receive Jesus. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, I have life. Thank you, Father. Amen.